Welcome to the World Game Podcast, Russia 2018, and it's exciting. I'll tell you why we are in Red Square with Lucy. Lucy, we will be talking to you every day. I'm not sure where from. Today we are on Red Square. Here we are in the beautiful Red Square. Christophe, welcome to you. I know you arrived today. It's fantastic to have you with us on the ground here in Moscow. Um, and, you know, what a beautiful setting that we have. Uh, it's St. Basil's Church. Um, you know, we can really start to feel the atmosphere building in the in the lead up now. Now that we're 24 hours away from the tournament starting, it's fantastic and certainly so exciting. You were here for the Confederation Cup uh, last year. Stupid question. How different is this from last year? Uh, look, it's very different because it is the World Cup. And I know that the Confederations Cup Uh, a lot of coaches even at the time, Yogi Lerv, uh, at the time that the, the Confederations Cup kicked off, said that we should get rid of this tournament and a lot of pessimism around that. But it was good to be there from a logistical perspective because I got to see the cities. Um, I think we visited a total of four while we were here. But it's a different vibe, a different energy. You can't compare the two. So being here now, although it feels familiar in, in the sense of I know the city, uh, not as well as what I would like. I'm sure I'll get to know it more intimately as the, the, the tournament goes on. But you can definitely feel a different um, atmosphere in the air it's great I know for people that follow you on social media you go a bit of a rant about the hairdryer and this year it bloody came back it came back it's come back to haunt me and I was speaking to some Russian locals who had also seen the videos because I am doing a World Cup diary um, I've had a few people ask why there wasn't one for day five and I won't be doing them every day it's going to be as the tournament goes on when I can um, but the hairdryer situation they said the locals said that it's not just in Russia that it's also uh, in a few places around Europe so that's reared its ugly head again and as a result I've had an ugly head because I can't dry my hair properly, Christophe. <laughs> come on, come on. It's podcast, but no, you know, <laughs> ugly is not the world. <laughs> yeah, but it's first world problems, right? Here I am in, in Moscow about to, to host the World Cup, my first in the, in the host nation, and I'm complaining about a hairdryer. So obviously things aren't that bad. That's true. Uh, let's talk football. Um, where do you see, uh, let's talk about the group, the, where Australia is, of course, with France. I'm totally biased, but I kept saying I'm 100% both, not 50% both. It's very important. Um, where do you see the Socceroos feature? Look, I think the beauty of this World Cup and the beauty of this group, um, when we had a look at the, the ranking system, it's probably the tightest in terms of where the teams are situa uh, situated on the ranking system. But I feel like there, there should be more optimism around this campaign for us because it's not largely the group of death as we've been used to in previous campaigns gone by. I feel like we do have a genuine shot to get out of this group and we should start believing that. When you consider the strength of the opposition, France, we know on paper they are incredible. And I say on paper they're incredible because we haven't seen it translate just yet. I mean, uh, for, for myself and Foz, we actually both watched that game against the USA in the hotel the other night. We weren't impressed by them. They're getting into a lot of dangerous areas. They're, they're attacking and, and penetrating very well, but they can't translate it into goals. Um, and I know that Didier Deschamps has come out and even said that mentality is a real question mark around this French national team. And uh, Pogba came out afterwards and said they were quite tired in that match. So I think a lot of players are feeling like they just want to get the tournament started. Even the Socceroos out of the Hungary game, our coach, our temporary coach, Bert van Marwey, came out and said that they too were quite tired. So in anticipation of the first match, I think that the players now are just very eager to get things underway. But, you know, when you consider Peru and Denmark, they're both going to pose different challenges for us. Uh, Denmark, we know the strength of Christian Eriksen, but also equally with Peru, we've seen what they've been able to do in their recent international friendlies, of which we had the benefit of hosting in Australia. We watched there and covered their games against uh, Iceland and uh, 
Croatia respectively and they were both victorious. They were victorious in both of those matches. So they're going to give us a lot of grief. Um, I love the look of them going forward. They're a very exciting attacking team under Gareca. I think Gareca, their coach, has done a fantastic job with them. But, you know, we should be more excited about our chances at this World Cup more than anything. Over the years, there's been such a Dutch influence in, a, in the Socceroos team and the Dutch are not here uh, this year. Are the Socceroos the Dutch B team? Oh, well, we certainly have a Dutchman leading us in Bert van Marwijk, but um, I, d I know that there's been this intense fascination with, with Dutch football, particularly within Australia, and this is a different podcast in itself altogether. Um, but, you know, ever since Hus Hiddink arrived and what he managed to do with the team, okay, we didn't get the results that we wanted, but we were really impressed with the way that, you know, that Australia played under him. So I think that's where that um, kind of love affair began. But it's time to move forward. It's time to look ahead and beyond um, even this campaign already. I know that Foz has been quite Local about it and I agree with him in that we need to start planning for the future. We're in a rare position now within our confederation where we don't have, I guess, um, as, as great a stress as qualifying for a World Cup as, uh, as other top nations do. It's not as difficult with the greatest of respect to our opponents in that confederation. So, you know, going forward, I think, like, like we've discussed already, uh, it's time to start planning ahead and, and developing our own football identity, moving away from any kind of Dutch association or English association as we have seen in years gone by so we need to be our own our own team and develop that national identity as, as a footballing nation uh, I know the World Cup is always full of really nice stories uh, where do you think the stories are this year we've got Senegal coming back for the first time since 2002 uh, I had the chance to speak to some fans they are fairly excited no no need to say uh, Egypt as well uh, where do you see some uh, some some of those nice little stories Well, the, the ones that you've just mentioned there are perfectly said. but also, I've, I've done my job then. Yeah, of course, we have to do our jobs here. You know, and there's such an influx of information that you have to absorb because you're not just doing a game here or there. It's you're doing games every day and you're also having to be across 32 competing nations and weave into that the history of their time um, at this tournament, but also who they are as footballing nations. So I like Peru's story as well. This is a team that's been out of the World Cup for 36 years. Uh, and so you can see that when they are taking to the field, uh, albeit, in international games and friendly games recently, you can see that there's that hunger there, that drive. Um, I know that after they qualified and beat New Zealand, the day after that, the, 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 the president actually declared it a national holiday. So this is what football means to these countries and to be back on the world stage again after so long out and such a long time between drinks is remarkable. Iceland, that's another story that is worth telling because we all sort of got introduced to them at the Euros and what they managed to achieve, they knocked out England and I guess even off the field, we saw the fans get very excited with the, the Viking clap. So these are the stories worth telling and we, particularly at SBS, love telling too. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to mention those fans because they sort of uh, revolutionise the fan cheering in a nice way, not the Vuvuzela, yeah. the clapping. <laughs> Thank God, get rid of the Vuvuzela. I mean, there are things about a World Cup that you love to talk about and there are things that you wish that, hey, we wish we didn't have the Vuvuzela as part of our World Cup history, but we do. But these are the things that the fans bring to the table and that's what we love about these tournaments. I mean, we, we're going to talk uh, to Craig uh, in a minute about Les, but how is it for you? Because Les, the great man, is not here with this World Cup. I know you were extremely close to him. Uh, no pressure on you, of course, because you're the host of this World Cup now. But how do you feel? How do you go into this, this World Cup? I'm sad. Can I say that? Um, and that's with, and I feel like I could get emotional to you now. I know the listeners can't see it, but sad because he's not here. 
Um, and that's really hard. It is because I don't feel immense pressure to be Les Murray. I don't feel that pressure at all because I'm not. And nobody ever will be Les Murray. Um, he was the, the greatest thing to happen to Australian football because he was the champion for it and he fought for it. And he paved the way for people like me, but for, for so many of us in this country to fall in love with the game that he appreciated so much and loved as a boy. So he brought that. And in addition to bringing the love of the game, he brought the you know his cultural history um, from Hungary to come back and be a celebrated icon in a foreign country uh, is an achievement in itself. And last question, I mean, the fans are going to listen to you every morning. Uh, how excited are you to be part of this podcast? I know you own it uh, in Melbourne. I'm just borrowing it for, for a couple of weeks, but uh, I'm sure you're excited. No, I'm extremely excited and apologies to the fans that will have to listen to me every morning because I'm sure by the end of it, you'll get very sick of it. But it's great. Um, and, you know, for us, every World Cup is different in terms of what we do from a content perspective. And I love that we are doing these podcasts and also in addition to that, doing our World Games live uh, Twitter show um, which we've never done before and that's purely because we're now seeing fans consume the game in a different way they want to be able to listen to a podcast they want to be able to jump on social media and see what's happening on the ground um, and not just be glued to their television sets thanks Lucy it's going to be a pleasure to have you every morning thank you likewise to you Christoph all the best thank you and uh, before we head out and have a chat with Craig I've got a pleasure to have some uh, soccer fun with me here because we can't see you you're bright yellow uh, how are you finding the World Cup so far Oh, it's great. The atmosphere here is just brilliant. Walking around Red Square and there's just people from all different countries here and everyone's just in a great atmosphere and great, great enthusiasm and happiness. Is that your first World Cup? Uh, second World Cup. Uh, I went to Germany 2006 as well. Okay, how does that differ? Uh, it's, it's, it's just different. Um, I think last, last time I was there in 2006 there was, I suppose, a lot more excitement from Australian fans and there's probably a little bit more, a few more of us um, given that we hadn't been in the World Cup for such a long time um, and it's probably the same for the Peruvians that are here they are uh, dominating at the moment. You must have guessed I've got a French accent so I'm going both ways on this one. Uh, what are the chances of the Socceroos against, the, the, against Les Bleus? Uh, well, I think the most important game is actually the fan-friendly on uh, Friday night where Australia are playing France in a fan-friendly but then I, th I think that we can pick up a point on Saturday night. I think it'll be uh, a close one but I think we can definitely get a point and uh, if the other game results in a draw as well, then it opens up the group and, and anything can happen from there. Okay, give me a quick chance for the Socceroos. <laughs> nah, nah, cool. nah, <laughs> okay, cheers guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's now time to, uh, to talk to Craig Foster. Craig, here at Red Square, how fantastic is the place? How fantastic, how excited are you for this another World Cup on SBS? Well, you have to always be excited when the World Cup gets here. The last couple of weeks um, has gone extremely quickly. You think it's never going to get here and then all of a sudden the last couple of months goes like that in a flash and the next thing you know you're here in the host country. Uh, the excitement's the same every four years. It's, it's always amazing to be on the ground when all of the people come from different cultures, different countries to come together and start singing. The, you, can, you can sense the excitement of everyone. The camaraderie among all of the different types of fans is always amazing to see. And look, we're just delighted and, and privileged that Australia is able to join this party every four years. Uh, this is the fourth time consecutively and we hope that long it continues. It was close, but they did it. And uh, the fans are here in numbers as well. They are. We've been here five or six days and the last two, it really starts to ramp up. And you can see not only the numbers, but you can hear it. Uh, more importantly. Uh, there's a lot of Australian fans coming by the studio here in Red Square, Christoph, which is nice. It's good that, um, you know, we're also, I guess, um, familiar faces away from home and that's always nice to see when you're in a foreign country. It becomes a part of their experience and also ours. You know, we're here and of course we, we like to, to get uh, 
um, some understanding of the local culture, we learn much more about Russian people and Russia itself and all the other cultures who come in, Peru, Panama the first time, Iceland the first time, two debutantes, but it's also nice to see um, some Australian uh, shirts here uh, and to connect with some of our people from home and the fans like us who love the game. Let's talk about the, the group, Peru, Denmark, and of course France on Saturday. Uh, what are the chances for, for Australia? I mean, they could get out of that group. Very much so. There's no question that Australia is capable of getting out of the group. That's a fact. So, um, you know, in the past, you know, in 2014, we had a group which made it extremely difficult to the point where it's only really those of us who are a bit um, crazy believers who say that we can do it, right? Um, you know, we had some amazing teams against us with far more quality and history and form. This is different. This is the draw that we've been waiting for for quite a while. Uh, and it's a draw that's very manageable for Australia. It's a very even draw aside from France. There's one really strong one. But the last draw we had um, two really strong and one who was almost there, Chile. So this is one real, really strong team, France, who we expect to, to be strong against all of the teams. So a good performance against France in the first game and any points out of that, Uh, and nothing is impossible, means that they're likely to play extremely strongly against the other two in the group. So a, a point against France or, or a dream of even getting three is just incredibly valuable because they're going to go really strongly against the others then. You mentioned 2014. Uh, how different is it for you to, to be here 2018? Of course, the great man, Les Murray, is not here. I mean, I know you're, you've been very emotional about this. Uh, this must have been really hard when you landed in a country and going all through this prep. I mean, he was here last time. That's very true, actually. Um, to experience a World Cup with Les and I had three um, from Berlin to a Cape Town and, and Rio, uh, it was a very special experience because Les had been going since the early 80s and he had a sense of context and history. It was almost like experiencing a World Cup with a historian who also had an incredible love and passion for the game. So it was a real privilege to do that um, and it's something you know I, I feel very fortunate to have uh, lived through really uh, and to have known him uh, and what you say is right to be here now in the host country and experiencing these things without Les uh, makes it very different and it really brings home his absence uh, at the same time you know we have to recognize that uh, that's that's part of life Uh, is that you know we pass on and what's important for us is to make sure that through our coverage and the way we experience the tournament we give due respect to Les uh, and that we are constantly referencing things to him. The reason being is because it's not long since he passed and this is the best opportunity for us to just make sure that Australia remembers Uh, to tell his story throughout this World Cup because as time goes on and on and on we have to make sure that we keep his legacy intact. This first one is really, really important. So that's uh, extremely important for us right throughout SBS, not, uh, not just uh, on-air staff uh, but also those behind. Finally though I'll say, you know, we've got a, a young and very talented um, broadcaster here in Lucy Zelich And Lucy's young, she's only 31, she's at the start of her career and I, she's a top professional, I expect her to have a, a career, a very long and decorated career, uh, and, but she'll be different, you know, no one can be Les. And so I spoke to Lucy before the tournament and said that to her, you don't, feel, you don't need to feel that you have to feel anything because no one can. Uh, Les started 
as well at a young age and he developed into becoming an icon right so don't feel any pressure to try and live up to what Les created none of us can do that uh, our job is only to honor it uh, to talk about it and to make sure it's respected and remembered Okay, uh, last question, uh, because we're going to follow you on the podcast every morning with, uh, with the Australians as they commute uh, to work. I'm going to have to ask you who's going to win this World Cup. Tough one, but I might, I might hold you accountable at the end. Well, you can ask me every day, because the problem with the World Cup is that changes throughout, right? So, great example today, you've caught me just only an hour after Lopetegui's been sacked. That's a perfect example of what happens in World Cups. It's completely unpredictable in so many respects. You've got red cards, you've got uh, incidents that occur, you've got injuries that occur. So, a key player in one of the big teams who's really in form and all of a sudden you hit the quarterfinal and injured makes a massive difference. We've seen that right throughout history. So, if you ask me today, I'd have to say probably Brazil. The reason being is in their last couple of games, they were awesome. They played Austria, who beat Germany in, the, in a friendly. I was really impressed with Austria as a team. Uh, and Brazil had a, a bit of problems with them. It was a, a reasonably balanced game for 20 minutes, and then they just took control. And their performance against Austria was 100 times stronger than Germany's was only a few days before. They've got very few weaknesses, if any. They've got the best defence and keeper that they've had for a very long time. And, of course, they always have rich and amazing attacking stocks. But it's the other end, which has so often been a problem, like 7-1 against the Germans, right? That's not going to happen here. This is an incredibly tough and it's a very good coach. So they've got all the elements in place that I think now, particularly what's happened in Spain, I think the others are lacking. Thanks, Craig. And it's, be, it's going to be a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you pretty much every morning. Thank you. Pleasure's mine. And this is it for this uh, first edition of the World Game Podcast from uh, Russia 2018 from uh, Red Square today. Uh, thanks to Lucy and thanks to Craig for joining us. We will be coming uh, to you every match day from Russia, bringing you the latest uh, gossips, uh, review and preview of the matches. Don't forget uh, to follow us on Twitter where we are at The World Game and from our website sbs.com.au slash The World Game. Uh, this is it for me today from Russia. Have a great day back in Australia and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.